Welcome back, everybody. It's Taco Tuesday! I'm Alex Padilla. I'm Yep, welcome back, everybody. This is Taco Tuesday. I'm Alex Padilla, at Alex Padilla 86 He's Alex Regla, at Alex M. Regla on Twitter. Alex, hey, we're not doing a post-game show today. It's weird. Tuesdays, I've just, like, that's my routine. Watch the Lakers, then talk to you right after, so... yeah. It's it's nice, and yeah. Harrison's kind of done us a solid, I would say, too, because you know we do Monday post games too. So either we're either on Monday, we're either on Tuesday, and it's just easy to come on here, react, talk about what's happening. But this week we get to earn our paycheck and talk about other things. <laughs> and what we're gonna do today is actually be joined by Sports Illustrated uh, senior writer Chris Herring. He will join us later on uh, this podcast. He wrote a, a long cover story about Andre Drummond and the art of rebounding and how it's just dying which I found very, very interesting because Andre Drummond, obviously one of the premier rebounders in the NBA, is now a Laker since last I spoke to you. That has happened. So <clears> before <throat> we do anything else, first thoughts, Andre Drummond, now the Laker. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I'm on the, the side of it where I'm pretty excited or I'm at least uh, optimistic about his fit with the team. Um, yeah, like at the end of the day, and it's going to be something I repeat, probably a ton it's it's just a buyout he's a buyout guy right like it's a minimum deal like i just don't see a ton of risk with it where things can go south like he has his flaws uh but he also has his strengths and i think when you can add a guy for free basically into a free roster spot like i'm not gonna have too many gripes with it yeah it's almost like what do you have to lose right is he really gonna come in and be some locker room cancer no you've never heard that about andre drummond so i think and you know if you listen to this podcast that i was always on the not the big mark gasol fan anyways here Mm -hmm. i know you are i was more i very much liked what the lakers had in the front court last year with dwight howard and javelle mcgee now listen andre drummond is very different than javelle mcgee but he does have this rebounding prowess that the lakers I, i feel like did not have he's a big body that we have seen could be very helpful because of Montrez's size, especially if Gasol's out, which he was for a while. I just think this is a win-win. A, for Drummond to come to L.A. He's been in obscure markets his entire career in Detroit and Cleveland. You know, some guys love the spotlight. We'll see how he performs under it. And then B, I think it's a win for the Lakers because, like I already said, what do you have to lose but by adding a guy who I believe was averaging 17 and 13 this year? Yeah, like even up into this season before he sat, like I looked back at his like basketball reference page, like his game log to see like his most recent games before he got sat. And yeah, he had a couple like 18 rebound games in there. And I know we'll talk to Chris about it later, but uh, that's still valuable, I think, even if it's just um, you may be giving something else up when you're chasing down all those rebounds. I still think it's important for this team to at least have that kind of element that they didn't have before uh specifically on the offensive side of things uh but what do you think about him starting right off the bat um i like it just because let's see what he can do you have so many injuries right now on this lakers team um gasol has been back for a few games since his stint on the whatever health and safety protocol list i know it's never been really confirmed but i i like it i mean andre drummond is a starter in the nba for whatever reason he hasn't been able to find a home, and I think that's kind of what we'll talk about with Chris later on. But I am a believer that he's good enough to be a starter, especially with Anthony Davis and LeBron James out. 
just throw him in. Let's mm-hmm. figure this out together because they're not coming back anytime soon, right? So let's get let's get our footing on the ground. We've seen what Gasol does as a starter. I myself not impressed. I've already said it. So why not? Yeah, I I, I would say just to play devil's advocate, like I. The Lakers with Gasol, when they were healthy, like that team was really good. Like, I think they were like mm-hmm. a plus 14 over 100 possessions. Like, that's a really good starting lineup. And it seems like Vogel and the front office, although that lineup was good, maybe they think this lineup could be even better. And maybe it's worth trying it out. And, you know, worst case uh, scenario, you always have Gasol there. I mean, possibly if you keep him in house and there's no buyout coming. But um, I, I think. Again, like you mentioned, I think now is a good time to experiment. And I think without LeBron, without AD, maybe having a guy like Drummond, who isn't this great, the greatest offensive player in the world, but he does, I think that big of a body and that big of like a presence down low, I still think that has value just in terms of defenses having to like keep tabs on you. Like if Gasol's in the post or in the paint, I don't think defenses are like racing over to help there. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing too, like you bring it up, yes, the Lakers are actually very good when they were healthy. <laughs> I think that that we forget because we live in the moment. We're prisoner of the moment sometimes. You know, it hasn't been going all that great. Other Lakers have won two games in a row against the, the the Cavs and the Magic. But let's not forget, when healthy, I believe they had the second best record in the NBA. I, that's when Anthony Davis got hurt, and then they dropped to when LeBron was just healthy. They had the second or third best record in the West. They were holding it together. And then if you remember correctly, Alex, like I do, we kept saying, I haven't even played that great of a game yet. Yeah. So I think the Lakers have a lot of potential. This roster is good. So we'll see. And hopefully they can get healthy. But there is some news that is surrounding Laker world right now with Mark Gasol. Rumors, Alex, Mm -hmm. that you led me on to before we hit record. Rumors that Mark Gasol himself could be a buyout candidate so yeah so before the trade deadline like you know we kind of gave out those predictions and to be clear i was wrong on almost every prediction of the trade deadline but um one of the one of the predictions was i thought one of the bigs would be traded to make room for drummond and another way to do that is by obviously a buyout or cutting one of the centers um I, that was surprising to see because, I again, like even if you're not the biggest Gasol fan, I still think he has value in very specific ways to this team. And again, the team has played pretty well since he came back from um, the COVID protocols and stuff like that. So uh, I would be shocked uh, if he gets bought out. Like I know they asked Frank about it today, and Frank Vogel said that, you know, they haven't had any communications or dialogue about that yet. So, and he also added like, to, to touch on that just how much like how loved he is in the locker room and how respected he is so i would be shocked but um like when it comes to like things like i think the only way it happens is if gasol himself after losing his starting job gets upset with that or isn't cool with his minutes being reduced even more because he's only playing I mean, about yeah, like 15 18 minutes a game I was about to say he's only playing like 15 minutes a game so what do you think? Uh, that, I know earlier we said that, yeah, it's a win-win. There's little risk. But I think the risk there is is potential locker room stuff or just having this kind of log jam at center. Yeah. I mean, we did have, for the first time in a year or two, we did have rumors surrounding current Lakers being traded. You know, there was the Kyle Lowry stuff that actually never came to fruition, mm-hmm. even though I'm still blown away that Kyle Lowry's a Raptor 
from if you were just reading Twitter all day on the trade deadline. You just had to assume he was going to get traded, but he didn't. So for the first time, they're dealing with it, you know, because KCP was on the trade block. Schroeder was on the trade block. THT was the guy that – THT was this year's Kuzma. They didn't <laughs> want to get rid of him. They didn't really want to keep him. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, but it's past now. And if you're still worried about what happened at the trade deadline, if you're Trez, if you're Schroeder, you know, that's – it's water under the bridge at this point. It's a business. The Lakers tried to see if they could get better. They didn't. You guys are still a good team. So, uh, yes, they're – there is a potential of locker room stuff, especially if LeBron and AD are not in there every day, which I'm not sure if they are or not. So it's something to keep an eye on, I guess, but I'm not really too worried about it. Yeah, like I think since Frank Vogel's taken over and since this current front office, this uh, iteration of it has kind of got the power and stuff, it seems like the locker room issues of the past have kind of gone away, thankfully. There hasn't been any... I mean, we joked all last year how quiet the Lakers were in the headlines. Like, it was just a super easy, like, season for the Lakers and off and on the court. But, um, yeah, it seems like the, the locker room is still strong, even though there's new players involved. And I think Vogel, I think it was Vogel, I forgot who it was, Vogel or Plinka, but basically it said any kind of decision, they do run it by Vogel, they do run it by the locker room, the guys. They do pull a guy like Trez aside or Gasol aside and let him know what's going on. And so there's no surprises. I think when you surprise, like if just like putting yourself in like Gasol's shoes, right? Like if someone's coming and taking your spot at work, obviously you'd rather get a heads up than just mm-hmm. have him show up on that day and like take your spot. So I, it will be interesting to see how Vogel does use all three. And if we see maybe Trez at the four some, do we see Gasol? play some games no play some games is it gonna be very like playoff matchup dependent so i think that's gonna be the biggest thing i look forward to uh to see how vogel handles the three of them and what a great place to start then against milwaukee you know what that's like again having a guy like drummond that size mm-hmm. immediately helps mm-hmm. lakers take on the bucks tomorrow at 7 p.m uh before we get to chris herring though another piece of news that came out today in Lakerland. Dennis Schroeder turning down a four-year, $84 million contract extension wow. from the Lakers. Now, to me, that's pretty surprising. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I see a Dennis Schroeder uh, as, as an $84 million player. That was my first initial thought. And when you read the report, it looks like he wanted to start at, was it 20 million or something like that? Mm-hmm. What do you think about Schroeder turning down that contract extension? I, I I wasn't too surprised when he um, passed down the initial extension because I know the ex- that initial extension wasn't um, as much money because you have to wait later into the season before you can offer him like that full extension or the increased extension. So obviously he was going to wait until this point, but now that he passed this one up also, um, it's a little surprising, but Schroeder, I think it was about a week ago, um, or I think it was like right after the deadline. He said, you know, he wants to be a Laker, but he does want to experience free agency and the things that comes with free agency, like going to meetings, kind of w- wanting to be wanted. You know, he's always been a bench guy. He's always been kind of traded or overlooked. And now it's his very first chance, or maybe his last chance. I know he's still young, but you don't really get a max deal very often. So I think that's kind of what he's looking for. And it, But if we want to say, is he worth more than what what is that like 22 and a half million per year that's that's definitely uh, debatable 
Yes, I guess the Lakers are allowed to give Schroeder right now. Is he? That's like the max they can. I give believe him so the until moment. the off season, right. but then he becomes unrestricted. Right, right. So that's pretty interesting, just in itself, because now you know I'm not comparing Schroeder to Anthony Davis, but the situation exactly what you just said sounds exactly mm-hmm. like Anthony Davis. I kind of want to get out there see what it feels like even though we knew he was going to come back to the lakers he was a free agent for a while i don't think he took any meetings with anybody else during last offseason so um it'll be interesting to see what happens with shooter have you liked what he's contributed so far i have i I wish he was more consistent with it and i think that's the difference between a guy who makes let's say 24 million a year versus a guy who makes like 17 to 19 is that consistency like when he's good He's really good and helpful, but I think it, the issue with him, it's like, it's every other game sometimes, and there's a game or two here where he's just, he can't get anything to fall. He's like making these really poor uh, turnovers and passing mistakes. Like his defense, honestly, has been the most oppressive thing to me this year. So we'll see what happens with Dennis Schroeder. I, I personally was surprised, but I also wasn't expecting him to sign in season for some I know they were mm-hmm. talking about it. I know they kept saying that that they've been working on extension. He's been saying all along he wants to be a Laker. Now he's saying he wants to test free agency. So I really wasn't expecting a, a deal in season. But when I saw that contract, I was like, you sure you don't want to take that? I was going to say, question for you. Does this kind of remind you? Like, obviously, they're two different players. And the deals are different. But remember when KCP turned down that Detroit extension midseason and he would have got like, it was like a four year, $80 million deal, right? Uh-huh. And he turned it down because he thought come he the offseason he would get a bigger deal. And then the Lakers ended up getting him for, I believe, like the mid level exception. Right. Do you think, so today he turned down over, where, whenever he turned it down, what was it, 484? I yeah, think. Do you think on the open market he gets more than that? He better hope so. Because I don't know oh, who's man. giving him more than four eighty four. I don't know who's giving him eighty four. So million does he come general. back to the Lakers? Uh, but let me say a, this though: uh-huh. you can. We've seen it before. You can play your way into a bigger contract in the playoffs. True. That's true. So is he putting a little gamble on himself, like you said with KCP? Absolutely. But. Man, you're in LA. You're playing with LeBron. You know AD's not going anywhere. You could be the point guard of this team for the next four years for eighty-four million dollars. All right. I, I mean, Rondo went from a minimum guy to a two-year, eighteen million dollar guy just because of his playoff Rondo performance last mm-hmm. playoff. So it's definitely possible. Not only that, Alex, he's now being traded for to a contender for Lou Williams and two draft picks. What the hell, dude? <laughs> What that one? My brain's been twisted a couple times in the NBA this year. That one, yeah. I was like, "What?" All right, but okay. Well, that's what's happening in Lakerland right now. If you're listening to this, I'm Alex Padilla at Alex Padilla 86. He's Alex Regla at Alex M Regla. Check this out, SilverScreenRoll.com. What we're gonna do now is jump over and talk to SI uh, senior writer Chris Herring. All right, and here is Chris Herring, senior writer at Sports Illustrated. Chris, first of all, thank you. Uh, I'm not sure if you know this. You're our first guest for this particular podcast. We've we actually we've been just doing post game shows for the Lakers. Silver screen and roll. Well, I appreciate you having me, and I'm honored to be the first guest. Thanks. Yeah, man, we really appreciate it. So you wrote a story on Sports Sports Illustrated called "Bored to Death." Welcome to an NBA where rebounders have little 
value. And it's really specified towards Andre Drummond, who's now a Laker that here we know. Um, let me just start off by asking you a general thought about Andre Drummond joining the Lakers and how you think he'll, he'll fit in here in LA. Um, I, I, you know, it's funny. I think we're so kind of hardwired at this point to have firm takes and opinions. And I, I don't know that it'll make a huge difference. I mean, it, it's interesting. I think for people that think that he's going to come in and be like this force that changes the direction of what they're doing one way or the other. I don't, I don't think he is that. And I mean, I think it's normally somewhat telling when, you know, a couple of bottom feeding teams let go of somebody like that. Um, but I don't, I don't know that we'll be able to make a whole, whole lot out of the first few weeks he's there just because obviously the two key guys are out of the lineup for the Lakers and he's not, whatever he's doing now is not really what he's going to be tasked with doing then um, where you're worried about certain things on one level now versus the way you would be when those two are in the, in the rotation. So I, I, I don't know that he makes a, a whole, whole lot of difference. Um, you know, on some level, I think you prefer to have people that are really talented and, you know, even if they're kind of skilled or talented at one particular thing, and you just kind of figure it out from there. Uh, I've also seen teams do that, and it doesn't work particularly well, including a, a former Laker when uh, Andrew Bynum went to the Pacers that year. And, you know, I, David West pretty much told me he thought that ruined Roy Hibbert mentally. Um, so sometimes that stuff matters in a, in a weird kind of backwards way. Uh, I'm not completely convinced this one does a whole lot. I mean, really, everything, every hope that the Lakers and their fans have, I think, is kind of wrapped more in LeBron and and Anthony Davis, and I think, you know, good good for the Lakers that they got Drummond. I don't think he makes a huge difference. I mean, the uh, track record of buyout guys isn't necessarily this long list of incredible success. <laughs> I think Keith was the guy that broke the mold a little bit last year, but he, you know, he did play a role in the playoffs, but he wasn't the guy. But, you know, me and Alex have a differing of an opinion. Alex is a big Marcus All guy. I was more in, in favor of the McGee-Howard tandem. I just, I mean, what's if it's not broke, don't fix it, and they broke it. And now they're kind of dealing with the fallout of it, in my opinion. Um, and that's kind of where I see Drummond. I see Drummond as just kind of filling in the spots. If you're relying on Drummond to, to, to win you games, then we're in trouble here, right? That's the way. <laughs> right. Like, but if you come in and you want Drummond to, to score 8 to 10 points and grab you 7 or 8 rebounds a game, I think that's something that they're looking for. Yeah, just to yeah. piggyback on Alex there. Uh, yeah, I, I think the defense specifically, I think going into the year, um, the front court was going to be different, right? We're adding Gasol, we're adding Montrez Harrell, totally two different players than JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard. So I thought going after Drummond was kind of an admission by the front office that we do need that athletic or physical or bigger element that we had in the playoffs and that worked so well in the playoffs. Um, and I think that's what their vision of a guy like Drummond offers. He's not Dwight Howard, he's not JaVale McGee, but he has like this mishmash of their physical elements. And maybe in certain matchups and playoff games, they're going to need that versus a guy like Gasol versus a guy like Montrezl Harrell, who's very good. I'm a big Montrezl Harrell fan. But again, against bigger guys like Jokic and Bede, obviously that's not the matchup you want to go with. So I think if anything, Drummond gives them a different ingredient that they didn't have. And that's what they tried with for Damian Jones and stuff like that. So for free, like, it's just hard for me to like really have gripes with it. Exactly. And I think that's like, I think we're kind of, I guess I've 
shouldn't use the, the phrase hardwired again, but you know, the, the, the deadline comes and we're all kind of salivating at the idea of a big deal happening. And quite frankly, when the big deal we were expecting with Lowry never happened, it then turned into like, what happens with the bout market? I mean, we were spending a ton of time analyzing the idea of Andre Drummond, which granted he just went to the, you know, the defending champ. So he, could he be a huge difference maker? Obviously could, but I mean, we're, it's not, it's not just like the Blake Griffin things, not like this talk of a franchise player. It was once upon a time, but we, you know, we've watched the last two, three, four years to realize that's not what he is. Um, can he be helpful? Absolutely. You know, and I, I think it's weird. I've had some people be critical of the piece that you guys were referencing that, you know, felt like I was going in on Drummond and I was like, no, I mean, it, it clearly he's had a rough season, but he's had his moments. And I think anybody that plays as much as he does and, quite frankly, still excels at what he does, you're, you're going to have your good moments. And I, I mean, that might be enough on its own for this to be worth it for the Lakers. And, and like you said, um, if he's not good for them, uh, then you don't have to play him. And there's really no, there's no skin in the game beyond this year for you. And that's fine. Yeah. If you want to go check out what Chris wrote, which we're about to talk about, it's uh, check it out on SI.com board to death. Welcome to an NBA where rebounders have little value. So let me just ask you a very, you know, basic question, but it goes to what you wrote is how much does rebounding matter in the modern day, in the modern NBA game? Um, so I, I think the conclusion I reached and I went into it with a pretty open mind. I, I realized I needed to frame my question more uh, in a more nuanced way, which I, I, I try to take pride in, in doing stuff in a pretty nuanced fashion anyway. But I remember telling Quinn Snyder, you know, Utah's really good at rebounding. So I wanted to ask some of the coaches, the coach teams that are really good on the rebounding side, kind of what they make of rebounding. How much does it matter today? And I, you know, I, I led into the question by telling Quinn Snyder, it's, you know, it's somewhat facetious question. So kind of bear with me for it. He, he kind of just looked at me when I asked, like, does rebounding still matter? He was like, yeah, <laughs> and, and essentially left it at that. So I, you know, I, I went at it from a more nuanced um stance with you know Stan Van Gundy and Doc Rivers and I, I think what we all learn is that offensive rebounding is something that teams are more or less and we know this are more or less willing to abandon to make sure that you're not giving up points in transition and I, I knew that already um, but what you know I thought was interesting was that uh, Steve Clipper from the Magic essentially said it still matters, but it's, it's, it doesn't matter as much from certain people or that it matters in the sense that you have guys that have enough range to grab a rebound, not just at the rim, but also can run out to the three-point line and grab one. And so, you know, the offensive rebounders are not necessarily just Drummond anymore, but it might be, um, you know, a Westbrook coming from the weak side, or it might be, you know, a Evan Fournier, some, someone random, you know, just guys that kind of run in at the last second because they see no one's blocking them out and they see that a rebound's going to bounce out longer because it was taken from further away. And so that, you know, that's not who I think of when I think about Drummond. Um, Drummond is someone that I think of as being kind of anchored in the paint who, you know, is fully capable of grabbing those rebounds, is fully capable of offensive rebounding. But how many teams really want to, bank everything they have on offensive rebounding. And if you don't, why would you bother with Andre Drummond? And, you know, is he a guy that can kind of stay with guards or get out to guards, get to the ball before a guard can? 
And, uh, you know, the, the analogy I tried to make in my story was that <laughs> and it was probably a dumb analogy, but people seem to like it was the idea that, um, thank you. I appreciate that. At least <laughs> one, two people did. Um, the idea that it's like being someone that is really, really great at being the first to grab a movie when it comes out at a video store. It's like, okay, it's really, really cool that you're good at that. Um, it's really, really cool that you're good at collecting toothpicks, I guess, but like, <laughs> who cares? And like, it's not something that's really emphasized the same way it was 10, 15, five years ago. Um, and, and if you're the only one down there buying for rebounds, which is essentially what some of the people in the story were saying, um, does it have the same value? Does it matter whether it's Andre Drummond or, or my, my little sister? down there grabbing rebounds. If, if no one's going for it, you're the only one that can get the rebound if you don't want down there, you and your teammates. So I, it, it matters, but it matters differently. And I kind of thought that was the conclusion I would reach with the story. And that was why I was interested in doing it was to show how it shifted even in just a few years and even how it shifted someone like Drummond's value in a few years to where <laughs> Detroit thought this was their franchise player okay. and moved on from them and kind of surprised everybody by trading them. Last year, and everybody's saying, wow, all you could get for him was a second-round pick. And this year, no one deciding that he was worth that just because his contract is so out of whack, even though he's only 27 and only signed the deal a few years ago. Yeah, I, I you know, I was reading the article. I read it right before we talked again. Um, and, yeah, I think that really interesting point you mentioned was that the offensive rebounding that the league values now is, like you said, it's more rangy. And when you're describing guys, a guy who is actually a good example of that this year is Kyle Kuzma, right? He's not getting boxed out from the weak side corner when LeBron's driving in the paint, when AD has the, has the ball. And he said, I'm done just camping out in the corner. I'm going to be active. I'm going to crash the boards. And he's been really successful at that. And uh, just looking at some numbers I pulled up right before you came on, the Lakers have been really bad in offensive rebound percentage, 16th. Um, they're also just not good in offense this year, 17th in offensive rating, 20th in half court offense. So I think that's where if I had to just kind of push back a little on the Drummond thing is, especially with no LeBron, no AD right now, any extra possessions this team can get on offense where they're having trouble creating like anything in the half court. If it's just one or two extra putbacks a game, that's huge for, for this team who has literally nothing else outside of Dennis Schroeder and Trez. And again, Trez is just doing a lot of work on the offensive glass. So again, I'm not, I'm not sure how it looks when LeBron and AD get back, but in this kind of weird holding pattern for this Lakers team, a guy yeah. like Drummond at this skill set maybe could be super helpful at this point. Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be interesting to see. The other thing, too, that I, you know, I should have added, I think you make a good point there, is that teams that are, are good on defense, and obviously you lose something when you don't have AD, AD there, you don't have LeBron there. You lose a lot defensively. But um, one of the things that Doc Rivers and I talked about when we were talking through my story was the idea of, um, look, you know, if, if you can be a team that both crashes the glass and picks your spots well, um, kind of, it kind of made me think of – I played baseball in high school. It kind of made me think of hit and run, you know, where – um, it's great if you can make it work, if you can have somebody steal a base and have someone make contact, if you can crash the glass just enough, but not get burned in transition and, you know, pick your spots well, um, then you're not losing anything by sending somebody at the glass. And if the Lakers can do that, and obviously the Lakers have been a good defensive team for a while now, obviously um, you're not going to be quite as elite when you lose the guys you've lost. 
to injury, but yeah, it makes it more worth your while to crash the glass if you know you're not going to get burned going back. Um, the thing that I was kind of astonished about when I looked into the numbers for it, um, and it doesn't take away from what you said, but Drummond, I think people need to be prepared for the fact that he's he hasn't, for whatever reason this year, been a good finisher at the rim. Um, and, and, and he's been literally the worst at the rim, sub 50%, which – you know, so one person tweeted me, I wouldn't say angrily, but they were like, Chris, like, shame on you. Like, you should recognize that Drummond isn't playing hard this year. That all <laughs> changes when he goes to a contender. And it's like, I, I don't think that someone's inability to finish at the rim is a, a, a something that's focus-related. I don't think that he's not focused or that he's not trying, particularly when, you know, if he hadn't been in a contract year before, he is now, because you know, because of the buyout. So he's kind of on audition for all these teams at age 27. So um, that's one thing to watch again, you know, you, you would still take sometimes with what the Lakers have out there on offense, you would still take a 47% look from the rim as opposed to, you know, not having LeBron and AD and, and some of these possessions where things just break down. And um, so, yeah, he, he absolutely can. I expect him to have a few games where the fan base just falls in love with them. And for the people that kind of, can watch defense carefully and watch guys that aren't guarding just the ball and some of the different things that happen. Um, and some of the plays where maybe he crashes a little bit too aggressively or is out of position on a transition play. Um, I think other people will watch it and say like, man, this, this can work for right now, or maybe it can work for right now, but I don't want this guy on the team once we're fully healthy. Um, and it'll be interesting to see this sort of player always divides fan bases. And I think eventually People kind of end up on the same page, but it's always, I mean, he has flaws and he, he's obviously got incredible strengths and incredible flaws. Um, it'll be interesting to see kind of where it ends up. I think you just got to temper expectations. If you're Laker fans, you just really right. got to be careful with, with what you think is coming and what really might be coming. And I think you did a great piece and I don't think you even picked on Drummond at all. So I don't know how people wrote, cause you mentioned numerous guys in that that should hate Steph Curry because the, he cost them millions of dollars for changing the game by shooting from so far away. <laughs> so it's not just Andre Drummond, Chris Herring. You can follow him at Herring underscore NBA. Uh, he's a senior writer for sports illustrated. Now, before you go, it's a Michigan sweater or shirt you're wearing right now. You, Michigan UCLA tonight. Lots of people probably rooting for UCLA on this. That listen to this podcast. What do you think? We're about what four hours from tip off for UCLA uh, Michigan. Yeah, yeah. I think it's I think it's a nine o'clock start my time yeah. in Chicago. Um, what do I think? I think Michigan should have an advantage, but I also think that watching UCLA take out Alabama, who I was terrified of, um, and watching this Hawkins dude, I'm like, who the hell? <laughs> Is this yeah. like these random crazy shots that like these these like Monte Ellis style <laughs> jumpers that he's just raining on people that are right in his face? So I'm I mean all it takes is one game in the tournament to really screw you over. Um, I won't say screw you over, but you know to lose and, and yeah. to knock you out. And Michigan's looked incredible pretty much the whole tournament. It's interesting because they've now played a couple of games against teams that are really long and more athletic than they are between Florida state and um, LSU that scared me. Alabama scared me in that same way. I don't know that UCLA does, but those always tend to be the teams that trip you up. So yeah. I'm hopeful. I mean, I, I haven't really been predicting anything this tournament. I didn't even do a bracket. 
I tend not to what? do brackets. Okay. I tend not to do brackets when the team I'm really rooting for is good and has a chance. Mm. Um, it's funny. I thought Michigan had a chance. I didn't think they'd win the tournament because they lost one of their best players. And I know UCLA has as well. Um, but I'm, I'm just hopeful. And uh, if they squeeze by by one point, they win by 20 or 30 the way they have the last couple of games. I'm fine with it, cool with it, whatever. But um, I'd be I'd be thrilled if they beat UCLA. And I'm sure a lot of people listening to this will will feel exactly the same way if the reverse happens. Yeah. Well, good luck to you. Good luck to UCLA. Listen, I'm a bitter San Diego State fan. We got Buddy Beheimed in the first round. So, <laughs> I mean, dude. So I know if all it takes is one guy getting hot to change the entire game, and we've seen that many times. But for us, say for UCLA though, when Alabama hit that shot to go to overtime, I was like, oh, UCLA's Yo, UCLA's cooked in the overtime. Yeah, that was weird. I don't know that I've ever seen a play – that was so momentum shifting that didn't actually shift. Didn't matter. Didn't matter. Like I just figured UCLA was done, and then they came out and dominated the overtime. It was weird. Yeah, very, very weird. That stuff does not happen in basketball. When you hit something like that, you are going to carry this over and just dominate. No, that was bizarre. I st- I'm bizarre. still kind of in belief that that happened the way it did. Because I, I mean, it took a while, if I remember correctly, for Alabama to even score after that. It was just yeah. bizarre. So good luck to you, man. Enjoy the game tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. And like I said, you can follow Chris at Herring underscore NBA on Twitter. Check him out at SI.com. Chris, it was a pleasure, man. Thank you so much. It was really fun to talk with you guys. You guys take care. Big fan of what you guys do. All right, everybody. That was Chris Herring of Sports Illustrated. Alex, temper expectations, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I think that's the best way to handle almost anything in life. Uh, <laughs> Uh, especially when it comes to athletes and buyout market guys and stuff like that. I'll say this: I, I just to kind of cap things off. It is crazy to me that Drummond is only 27, and right. the fact that again he's only played on bad teams. Like uh, some of his Detroit mm-hmm. teams weren't horrible. Obviously, they were competitive and stuff, and he was a big reason for that. But I, I, I just anytime you could add. A type of player like that next to LeBron. I'm just interested as a basketball fan to see how his game changes or improves at all. So I just want to see him in a different environment. I mean, look how good. I mean, not like he was an all star, but look how good Damian Jones looked. Yeah. You know, it doesn't take much when you have guys around you that are playmakers like LeBron. And and if AD comes back, that's Listen, I, like I said, I'm tempering my expectations. I just think he was in terrible situations in Cleveland, Detroit. I remember being a fan of him in Detroit, and I know the game has changed. But I am hoping, like many Laker fans, that yes, he is motivated, and yes, he will come in here and try and work his way into another contract. Which, you know, we'll see how that ends up for him. But um, thank you to Chris Herring for joining us, and uh, good luck to. I'm not. Are you a UCLA? Fan? Are you, you, got, you got a rooting interest? I, in... I don't have a rooting interest. I think I'm a default UCLA fan just because, okay. and not even the athletics. I just love their campus. Uh, so USC right now is playing. They're about to tip off against Gonzaga too. We could have a USC UCLA oh, Final Four yeah. matchup. Yeah, yeah. For LA that's fans, on... that's fun. That's what I'm rooting for. Like, why not? Let's root for chaos. Once my team was out, I was like, I don't care who wins. <laughs> Let's root for chaos. Yeah. For so sure. Alex. Uh, I know you haven't written anything, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm dealing with I, I'm I'm officially an adult. I have a mortgage payment to handle. Congratulations Thank you. though. That's a good that's a good problem to yeah, have. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm doing that. But when I get back to writing and just also I don't even know if Chris is gonna hear this part, but I was trying my best not to geek out talking to Chris. Chris is one of my favorite 
basketball writers in the world. He's been kind of like one of my go-to guys to to read his work, to get inspired and stuff. So uh, just reading his article and talking to him did inspire me to, to get back to writing a bit. So once I'm all settled in, I'll write some more. And yeah, you can follow that on throwdown.substack. I love reading and I'm, I'm, I will put you in with him and I, I hope you don't take it that I'm like kissing your ass, but I, I, I read your writing and I read Chris's writing and I read like Harrison's writing. You guys watch basketball so differently than I do. I always, I always admit it on the show. I watch on a very surface level and I try to kind of come from the perspective of the fan that just watches games mm -hmm. and you guys are so much deeper into it that it gives me such a great appreciation for the game even more. I never would have thought about why is rebounding important. Of course it's important, right? Like it's rebounding, but then you read more about it and then see the way he thought thinks about yeah. things. It's uh, it's really interesting to, to, to get that different perspective that I just don't have thinking on my own. So uh, shout out to you and shout out to Chris. Appreciate and it, man. Go check out their guys' writing. And when Alex writes, you can catch him at Alex M. Regla on Twitter. I'm Alex Padilla at Alex Padilla 86. I send out funny memes and jokes. That's what I do. <laughs> so, all right, Alex, we'll talk to everybody next week. Uh, unless you want to do predictions, which we always finish oh, off. Let's, I do guess this. We should. let's do this. Andre Drummond's box score numbers after on Wednesday. Oh, dude. <laughs> Dude, first of all, he's going to play like 25 or 30 minutes, I'm assuming. All right. And he's playing the Bucks, which is a, but it's in LA. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to I'm going to temper expectations. Point. I'm going to do what I said. Just give me points, rebounds and blocks. 12 points. Okay. 7 rebounds. Oh, okay. 1 block. Oh, I I'm way more optimistic than you. I say 16 points. Give me 14 rebounds. And wow. That's – he's averaging what? Like is he averaging like 13.8 I think? Yeah, isn't it's it? like his average. I'll say 14 and uh, two blocks. I, I can't wait for that first 2020 game from him though and fans just thinking he's Will Chamberlain. Oh, and then now it's like don't give Schroeder 84 million. Give uh, <laughs> Drummond 84 million. Yeah, it, we'll have games. We'll like – you know, it's you – know, <laughs> I know who listens to the podcast, and I, I don't want to say like everyone like freaks out about everything, but we know how Laker fans get. Like you know, the the report today, Windhorse says LeBron is now recruiting Steph, and you know the memes blow up. Steph's now coming to the Lakers, so I, that's why I said twelve and seven and one because I'm gonna stay level headed here and try and temper expectations. That's probably smart. <laughs> but hey, if he does what you did, max extension. Oh, Give a statue getting built. Yeah, tomorrow statue. or Thursday right next to Shaq. But all right, Alex, we'll talk to everybody next week. Have a great week, and we'll see what Drummond looks like mm -hmm. when we talk to you guys then. All right, man. Thank you.